Jesus House in pursuit of God, discovering purpose, maximizing potential, impacting life. This message is being brought to you from Jesus House London. God bless you. Heavenly Father, breathe upon your word. Uh, let it uh, do what your word does. Let it lift our spirits. Let it bring revelation and knowledge. Let it break yokes and lift burdens. Let it shine a light in our path. Let it do those things and more, Heavenly Father, as you have purposed that it should in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Uh, we ended uh, last week's Sunday with a night to remember uh, that that famous night in which God showed himself mighty on behalf of his people and delivered them from the hands of their oppressors, uh, the children of Israel delivered out of Egypt. And we said that this series is really about types and shadows. As we see the journey of the children of Israel, it's speaking into our lives, spiritual truths uh, for where we are now. And they were delivered from the oppression of Pharaoh we also were delivered. We also have our own time to remember. As might not have been a night, it was an afternoon where our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ uh, died on the cross and ended with those words, it is finished, or better still, it is perfectly perfect. The plan is in place. And what was the plan? The plan was to deliver us from our own oppression, an oppression to the slavery of sin, um, and an oppression to a taskmaster, uh, an oppression to an overlord that, that Satan was in much the same way that Pharaoh was. And they were delivered to go out, to be taken out of Egypt, to be taken into God's promised land to them, a land flowing with milk and honey, a spacious land. We were taken out as well from, from the tyranny of, of slavery to sin and the oppression of Satan. We were also taken out to be taken into our own land. Our land are the promises that God has for us in his Bible, 4,000 plus of those promises. That's our land. And the same way they possessed the land, we also will possess the land. You will possess every promise that God has made concerning you. And after that night to remember when God showed himself mighty and powerful against the enemies of his, his chosen, his elect, his the nation that he had chosen, Israel, uh, they embarked on the journey into the promised land. The Exodus, it was called. Before they left, Moses gave them certain instructions. He told them that they, they would find favor with the Egyptians. They should go to the Egyptians and the Egyptians would hand over to them uh, precious things, uh, gold, silver, precious clothes, trinkets. And that's exactly what happened. You know, that just shows you the power of God, that, that he could touch the hearts of the Egyptians who hated the Israelites so that they handed over to the Israelites all their precious things. May everything the enemy has stolen from you, may it be restored to you in this season supernaturally as well in the name of Jesus and so they set off, uh, 600,000 men, the Bible records. Uh, historians tell us about 3 million people in total, including women and children, set off uh, under the, the oversight of Moses and Aaron, his brother, 
on this journey to God's promises. Three million people thereabouts, including some who just attach themselves to them, a mixed multitude, the Bible calls them, and including what the Bible refers to as a great deal of livestock, quite a number of animals embarked on this journey. They set out on the instruction of Moses. And it's interesting that they could have gone a shorter route, but God chose to take them on a route that was longer. And the reason was because he was afraid, because he, he felt that they would be afraid if they saw war and they might return. So God takes them on a longer route. Critically and crucially, he does not leave them to find the way themselves. And this is a spiritual truth. God will never leave you nor forsake you. He has said it so many times. His spirit is our guide. He is our satellite navigation system. He helps us find our way. The sons of God, the children of God are led by the spirit of God. And God set this example for us so that we understand in our own dispensation that that is how God is. He's not a father to leave you to meander through life, to stumble around, to, to, to walk around like you're in darkness. That is not your father. He will lead you and he will guide you. Listen to how he did this for the children of Israel. Exodus 13 verse 21 and 22. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead the way and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light so as to go by day and night. He did not take away the pillar of cloud by day or the pillar of fire by night from before the people. It's an amazing testimony of God's provision, God's faithfulness. He wouldn't leave them to, to, to stumble around trying to find their way to the promised land. He would guide them in the same way that the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night guided them into their land. I want you to know that God's plan is that his spirit will guide you into every promise that he has made for you. That's why it is critical on our own journey that we develop a deep and intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit. He must become your best friend. You must learn to hear his voice. You must be at a place where you are submitted to him so that he can lead you. He is our guide to lead us through the wilderness of life into the promises of God. And as soon as they set out, the first thing they encountered by the plan of God was an obstacle, the Red Sea. And you know, the Bible says, that this was actually God's plan that they should encounter this obstacle, the Red Sea. And it was, it was a mountain. It was a difficulty. It was a challenge. It was a barrier. It was a blockade. It was an obstruction, a complication. It was something that blocked their way, that prevented them from going ahead into what God had said, that hindered their progress. And you know, obstacles of this nature tend to have a personality. They are almost alive. And I can imagine that was 
what they encountered. Now think about it. Get, walk in their shoes. In one night, after 430 years, the Lord with a mighty hand delivers them from oppression, from slavery, from being second class. And the Lord delivers them with a promise to take them into this large and spacious land. They set out the next day after that mighty deliverance on a high full of euphoria, exhilaration, excited, looking forward to the future. And then they encounter an obstacle, a mountain that is in their way. And someone knows what I'm talking about. Where you've been excited until you suddenly realize, how am I going to get through this? Or how am I going to get over this? Someone understands what a barrier is, a blockade. Someone knows what an obstruction is. Someone knows what it is for something to hinder you, to seem to have stopped you, to seem to have stolen your dreams, to seem to have prevented you. Someone knows what it is to be held back by something that just won't let you go into what you know God has promised you. Someone knows what it is to be in a complication that does not seem to have a solution. Someone out there who's listening knows what a mountain is. And you know, these things have personalities. They are big, they are massive, they are complicated, they are looming, they are intimidating. They are often mocking and taunting, telling you that you can't and you won't. Uh, they, are, they are standing in your face and daring you. They are complicated. You're wondering how to unravel them. They are oppressive in nature. And you know what? They are terrifying. They bring fear. When this mountain just will not move and you have done everything that you know, but the mountain, the obstruction, the obstacle, the difficulty, the complication, the barrier that prevents you from going on into God's plan, into destiny, just simply will not move. And you know, the interesting thing was that it was God who led them there. The Bible says in Exodus 14, verses 1 to 3, Then the Lord gave these instructions to Moses, Order the Israelites to turn back and camp by, by Pi Hahiroth, between Migdol and the sea. Camp there along the shore, across from Baal Zephon. Then Pharaoh will think the Israelites are confused. They are trapped in the wilderness. God ordered them to camp there. That was the route that God ordered, ordered, ordered them to take. And why did he do that? Why would God do that? Why would that be the first thing that they encountered? Why would God allow you and I in our journey into his promises to have our own Red Seas, uh, to come across obstacles and difficulties and complications? And there's someone who's asking that question even now, that God, why did you allow me to get into this situation? Well, I want to tell you why, two reasons why. Um, the Bible says in Exodus, the 14th chapter, the fourth verse, we read verse one to three, the Bible says, and once again, I will harden Pharaoh's heart and he will chase after you. I have planned this. God says, I have planned this. God says, I have planned this. God says, now someone says to me, but, but, but it was Satan that brought it. So I say to the person, but it is all part of God's plan. Because God could have stopped Satan if he wanted to. Lamentations 3 verse 37 makes it clear to us that nothing happens unless God allows it. 
So yes, Satan could have brought it, but it fits into God's overall plan. Now, why does it fit into God's overall plan? Two main reasons that it does. The first one is that it was necessary for them to encounter quickly um, at the start to encounter this obstacle. It was absolutely necessary because they would cut their teeth with this obstacle. They would learn how God was faithful. They would learn what to do so that God would take them through the many obstacles that they would face. That's part of our tutorial today. We're going to learn what God does with these obstacles, how God is going to take us through when we encounter them and how God is going to take you through the obstacle or the barricade or the blockade that is right in front of you, the complexity or the difficulty. God needed us to understand how he would do that. He needed them to. The second reason is that God wants to use it to glorify himself. That difficulty is going to glorify God. When he takes you through, people are going to marvel and they're going to praise your God. And I declare that God will get his glory from that obstacle, that difficulty, that complication, that challenging circumstance. It will glorify God as God takes you through. Now, of course, the news came to Pharaoh that the children of Israel had left and Pharaoh was angry. And wouldn't you be? Because we just think it's uh, 600,000 men, 3 million people, including children that just left. That's it. No, it was a bit more than that. It was the backbone of the Egyptian economy. They were the ones who kept the economy going. They were the ones who worked building Pharaoh's cities. Literally, in one night, God had caused the Egyptian economy to crash by taking out the backbone of the economy. And, of course, when Pharaoh realized that, he decided he was going back, going after them in pursuit of them. The Bible says in verses 5 to 9, when the word reached the king of Egypt that the Israelites had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds. What have we done? Letting all those Israelite slaves get away, they asked. Of course, they realized that this is the backbone of our economy. So Pharaoh harnessed his chariot and called up his troops. He took with him 600 of Egypt's best chariots, along with the rest of the chariots of Egypt, each with its commander. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. So he chased after the people of Israel who had left with feasts raised in defiance. The Egyptians chased after them with all the forces in Pharaoh's army, all his horses and chariots, his charioters and his troops. The Egyptians caught up with the people of Israel as they were camped beside the shore near Pi Hahiroth, across from Baal Zephon. Now, Pharaoh gathered his best, his, and, and, and the Egyptian army was a fierce fighting force. It was something to terrify even the strongest of hearts. Pharaoh gathered them, his best, 600 of his best chariots, his best soldiers, and he set out in pursuit of the children of Israel. They were camped by the Red Sea as he approached them. Now, if you thought that the Red Sea had frightened them, well, welcome to fear at another level. For now, they have the Red Sea in front of them, this massive body of water, and they could not imagine how they were going to get across it. It struck fear in their hearts. 
But then that fear paled into significance when they heard the, the thunder of the hoofs of the horses, the clattering of the wheels of the chariots, the, the shouting of the war cries, baying for blood of Pharaoh's soldiers as they descended on them. They were trapped in front and behind. And this is how the enemy works. Their senses were assailed. And that's how the enemy works with us. He wants to assail your senses. He wants you to judge it by your natural senses, by what you see, by what you hear, by what you know in your mind. And the moment you succumb to that, the enemy has won the battle. Fear has come in. Whereas God wants us to look at it from his perspective, to be led by his spirit, to trust in him. The enemy wants us to walk in the natural. God wants us to walk in the supernatural. And believe me, the children of Israel were firmly in the natural. They heard the sound in their ears. And that's why we say you must protect your ear gates as to what you hear, because it will affect your mind. It will either feed your faith or, or feed your fear. You only want to hear what feeds your faith, not what feeds your fear. They saw the, the dust as the horses were galloping towards them. The chariots were coming. Their eyes looked forward and saw this massive mass of water and there was no way to go across it. They decided within themselves that we are dead. We are finished. Ahead of us, if we go, we drown. Behind us is a bloodthirsty army that is bearing down on us. We are finished. Someone understands what I mean. Where you, where you, where you just know that you are boxed in. You have tried everything, but there doesn't seem to be a way out. And it's getting worse. It looks like the circumstance, the challenge, the problem, the difficulty is pressing in on you from all sides. Some, some, some might not even know what you are going through. But today the Lord wants to speak to you. They cried out in fear, the children of Israel. And can you blame them if you're dealing with life circumstances in the natural there's enough to make anybody afraid. For it just start from the pandemic, the uncertainty of the future, the, the, the questions as to whether it will happen. Will God give me a spouse of my covenant? Will, will I be healed? Will I overcome? Will I be made redundant? Will I be able to pay the mortgage? These are day-to-day -day fears. And then the fears can get worse. When we are dealing with oppressive circumstances and we know that we are wrestling with, with a dark evil force that is threatening us and threatening our families. Fear can go to extremely high levels. The anxiety that comes with it. Listen to the children of Israel. The Bible says in Exodus 14 verses 10 to 12, As Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel looked up and panicked when they saw the Egyptians overtaking them. Panic took, took root. And you know, if you've panicked before, if you've, if you've felt fear before, you will know how they felt. You know, that feeling of almost suffocation, that feeling of hopelessness, that thing that causes your heart to race so fast because you are so afraid. That feeling of an impending doom, an impending disaster, and you're feeling that you have no, there's nothing you can do about it. That feeling of darkness creeping in on you. That feeling that you are helpless in a situation. It says they cried out to the Lord and then they said to Moses, 
Why did you bring us here to die in the wilderness? They were convinced it was over. They were going to die. Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? What have you done to us, they said? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Didn't we tell you this would happen while we were still in Egypt? We said, leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. They were now at the point where they were telling lies. They never said any such thing to, to Moses. They said it is better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. Now, when you're faced with those circumstances, and you know, let no one be condemned. Even to the best of us, we encounter fear now and again. But it is what you do with it that matters. I dare say when Moses looked at the Red Sea, Moses had no way of knowing how he was going to go through. You know, we are, we are privileged to flip the Bible and we know what happened. Moses was staring at an obstacle and wondering, how is God going to do this? There's someone out there who is wondering, God, how are you going to do this? Can I say to you that how is not your problem? What you need to do is to believe that God will do what he said he would do. And God had made a promise to them and he will not break his promise. So Moses believed God's promise. He believed that the God who called him, the God who said to him, go and take my people out of Egypt. I am taking them into a promised land. That God was incapable of lying. Well, I, I just want to challenge you to believe God, believe his word, believe his promise, believe that he's incapable of lying. He's not a man that he should lie. He's not the son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said it and will he not do it? His hand is not too short to save. His ear is not deaf that he cannot hear. He's the creator of the ends of the earth. Everything dances to the tune, to the tunes of his word. So Moses, not knowing how he was going to go across the Red Sea, the same way that the children of Israel also had the opportunity to trust God, but had chosen to rely on their senses and believe that there's no way across. There's no way. This army is going to kill them. It's going to destroy them. But Moses knew that God, who said it, will do what he said. And so Moses spoke the word of faith. I want to encourage you to always speak the word of faith. Always speak the word of God. Always hold on to the word of God. Listen to what Moses said. Moses told the people, and I find this interesting, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. Do you think he had an idea how God was going to rescue them? Absolutely not. It had never happened before what was about to happen. He didn't try to figure it out with his senses. My sister, my brother, stop trying to figure it out with your senses. God has a zillion, trillion ways. He has unlimited ways to do what he has said he will do for you. Yours is to believe that he will, exactly as he said. Moses said, watch the Lord rescue you today. Did he know how God was going to do it? No. But did he know that God would rescue them? Yes. How did he know that God would rescue them? Because God promised him and promised them that he will take them into a promised land. He says, the Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. I wish I could come into your home and say to you, just stay calm. The Lord himself will fight for you. 
You, feel, you see, faith is trusting that God will make a way without knowing how God will do it. There's just something about faith that excites God. The, Hebrews, the, the, the writer of the book of Hebrews says in Hebrews 11 verse 6, one of my favorite scriptures, without faith it is impossible to please God. You know what that means? Where there's faith, God is very pleased. Uh, just always read the Bible and, and, and read, it, read, read it in a rounded way. If without faith it is impossible to please God, where there's faith, God is much pleased. And then, because Moses spoke in faith, faith will always get a response from God. It's the currency of our kingdom. How many times did Jesus say, because be it unto your, according to your faith, you are healed because of your faith. Your faith has made you whole. And let's not complicate this faith thing. It's just as trust in God, just believing that God will do what he says he will do. And because Moses spoke in faith, God responds, verses 15 and 16. God says to him, why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. Pick up your staff and raise your hand over the sea. Divide the water so that the Israelites can walk through the middle of the sea on dry ground. You know, you, you just have to simply build your faith. You have to do what it takes to build your faith. You have to get to know him and trust him. How can you have faith in someone you don't know? You have faith in someone because you know what the person is capable of. Uh, the writer of the book of Hebrews in the, in the scriptures we read, 11 verse 6 says, Without faith it is impossible to please God. For he that comes to God must believe that he is. You know who God is. How are you going to know who God is if you don't search where the word where he describes himself the more you read the word the more you come to trust god you can't build faith without the word of god it's no magic formula and believe me someone can't have faith for you you have to have faith for yourself that's why you have to get into the word you have to get into prayer you have to get into worship all these things make you know, begin to show God to you. You have to commit yourself to a life that is pleasing to God, a consecration, a life of holiness. There's no shortcut to it. These are the way, this is the way that we get faith and we build our trust in God. And so uh, uh, God, God, God tells Moses, you go ahead, you know, lift your staff, raise your hand over the sea, divide the water. It's almost like God is saying it's up to you. Uh, it, uh, how you respond is how I will respond to you. And you know, I want you to know that God keeps emphasizing that it is all about his glory. You know, you are halfway to overcoming that situation when you can categorically say it is about God's glory. Listen to what he says in verses 17 and 18. I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians. They will charge in after my Israel, after the Israelites. My great glory will be displayed through Pharaoh and his troops, his chariots and his charioters. When my glory is displayed through them, all Egypt will see my glory and know that I am the Lord. It's all about his glory. His glory will be displayed through that circumstance as he takes you through, as he causes the enemy to bow, as he ensures that you overcome his glory will be displayed. And I love the instructions he gives to Moses. 
He gives very clear instructions in verses 15 and 16. Why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward. Lift up your rod, stretch it over the sea. I'm going to divide it, divide it for you. Two things that strike me. Um, number one, he says, go forward. You know what that means? That sometimes we have prayed and prayed and prayed. And God is saying, it's time to move. Um, and there might be someone I'm speaking to where God is saying, it's time to move. Go forward. He says to him, go forward. Take a step. Uh, uh, move in faith. Move in trust. You know, go forward. Moses, where are you going to? Someone might ask him. Where are you asking them to go to? The, the wall, the barrier is still there. But you know what? It was in obedience to that instruction. And that takes faith. Uh, because sometimes people might mock you. What are you doing? How is that going to happen? Um, I remember Pastor Dapp's testimony um, before they had their beautiful son, um, um, Isaac. Um, I remember how he said he would go and wheel the trolley down the aisles of Tesco in the baby section. This is after, uh, after his wife, Shio, has had multiple miscarriages and you know doctors hardly gave her a chance. But he said he would just wheel his trolley up and down the, uh, the baby aisles and he would be saying to himself, uh, one day I am going to do this for real. Now, you can imagine if anybody in Jesus' house saw their pastor, Pastor Daps, wheeling the trolley. I said, Pastor Daps, what are you doing in this area? I mean, even he would be embarrassed to say that. Well, I'm just practicing for how I will wheel this trolley up and down this aisle, buying things for the baby that God is going to give us. I mean, there was no hope in the natural for the baby to come. But that beautiful gift of God came as he exercised his faith. Go forward, God is saying to someone. Yes, the barrier is still there. Yes, the complication is still there. Yes, the difficulty is still there. But perchance God is saying to you, go forward. Why did you hear the Spirit of God and ask whether what you need to do is go forward? And then God says to him, lift up your rod. Again, another act of obedience. What does a rod have to do with getting us across this Red Sea? Sometimes it is not what you do that is going to cause it to happen. It is God seeking your obedience to him so that he can make it happen. It wasn't the rod that took them across. It was the power of God. But their obedience was what God used. Sometimes, you know, God is asking for us to give him, not sometimes, all the time, our obedience so that that can be what he will use in releasing his power to take us through. And then Moses stretches out, stretches out his hand. And then the Lord causes the sea to go back by a strong east wind all night. And he makes the sea into dry land. The Bible records that in verses 21 and 22. The waters divided. So the children of Israel go through the midst of the sea on dry ground. And the waters were walled to them on their right hand and on their left. From the first time I read this story. This is one of the things that struck me. God, it would have been enough to take us through. Let us get our feet muddy and dirty. That's okay. That we went through this miracle, that this obstacle parted, way, parted to create a pathway for us to go through. God, that is enough. Let us go through. But God does exceedingly abundantly above all you can ask or think. When God does it, it will be obvious it is God. When God does it, people will marvel. It will be a curious work. 
People will join you to glorify God. That's the awesome testimony that is waiting to happen in your life. You won't have to tell anybody to come to your Thanksgiving service. Just recounting what God has done will get people to join you to praise God. Because by the grace of God, when he does what he's going to do with that obstacle, that blockade, that barrier, that difficulty, that challenge, and he will do it in the name of Jesus. When he does it, it will speak for itself. It will testify for itself. So God goes beyond and above what they could ask for. They just wanted a way to get across. God says, because I am God, I will do more than you have asked for. He ensures that the ground is dry and they walk through. I declare to you that your circumstance is opening up to create a pathway. The mountain is moving so that there is a pathway. The challenge in the name of Jesus is being sorted out by God so that a pathway is created. I declare to you that this God that we serve, by the grace of God, I speak into your life and I declare that he is going to make a way in that wilderness. You can't find a way out, but God is going to make a way in that wilderness. I declare to you that the miracle God is going to perform in your life, whether it's a healing, whether it's an open door, whether it's a turnaround of circumstances, whether it's a connection with some, some your destiny in one way or another, he's going to cause rivers to spring forth in the desert. Think about it. How do rivers spring forth in the desert? Only God can do, th do that. And I declare that this God that we serve in this season that we're in, that is going to be your portion in the name of Jesus. I join my faith with yours to declare that it will come to pass. Your life will be a testimony. You are an advertisement for God. People must see you and see what God has done in your life and glorify God. It is all for his glory. And as they pass through, the Bible records in the morning watch that God looked down, verses 24 to 25, upon the army of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and the cloud. And he troubled the army of the Egyptians. <laughs> May God trouble those who are troubling you. May they know no rest. All those evil spirits that are on an assignment against you. May God trouble them. I, I love uh, one of the Psalms where, where, the, where, where the psalmist says, the angel of the God Lord pursued them and they ran along slippery paths and fell into the fiery ditches that they had dug for the children of God. May that be the portion of any foul demonic force that is arrayed against you in the mighty name of Jesus. God troubled the Egyptians. And you know, when God troubles people, he troubles them. He, the Bible says he took off their chariot wheels so that they drove them with difficulty. You know, they, they, they were skilled, skilled charioters. They were experts. They would have found their way out. God said, no, 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 your end has come. I declare that the end has come for that situation. The end has come for that problem. The end has come for that difficulty. I speak it into your life in the name of Jesus that the end has come. God takes off their chariot wheels so they are struggling. Then they decide, let's jump out of the chariots and let's run. Let's flee from the face of Israel. Listen to their testimony. Let us flee from the face of Israel. For the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. Oh God. Father, let it be the testimony of your children. Let it be a testimony that those who are arrayed against your children, this evil force that, that Paul highlights of wickedness, 
in Ephesians 6 verse 12 that's arrayed against your children will testify by their own confession that the Lord himself fights for his children. And then the Lord says to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea that the waters may come back, verses 26 to 28, upon the Egyptians, on their chariots, on their horsemen. And Moses stretches out his hand over the sea. And when the morning appeared, the sea returned to its full depth while the Egyptians were fleeing into it. So the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. Then the waters returned and covered the chariots, the horsemen and all the army of Pharaoh that came into the sea after them. Not so much as one of them remained. It was finished. Not one remained. I want to say to you as we come to an end that God says that the true word of God will always have signs and wonders accompanying it. The sign and wonder, I pray today that will accompany this word is that every evil plot, every plan, every uh, challenge that has been orchestrated from the pits of hell, every difficulty that is, is, is Satan's agenda against you, it will be overthrown in the name of Jesus Christ. And together we say, Amen and Amen. And may God bless you as you receive this word into your heart. And what a wonderful testimony when God is fighting for you. But you know, God only fights for you because you're his own. He fought for them because they were his own, his nation Israel. He fights for us because we are his own. He's a responsible father. He takes care of his children. And so as I end, how would anyone not want God as a father? How would anyone not want to belong to God's family? And so if you're out there, you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. You can't say God will fight for you. He's not duty bound to fight for you. He has not given his word that he will fight for you. But if you are his own and you're his child, he has given his word. And so as he always does, he gives an opportunity for people to come back into his family so that he can fight for you. And if you're out there, you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you are not in God's family. This is a wonderful opportunity. The doors are open wide. That's why Jesus died on the cross, so that you can accept him as Lord and Savior, become part of God's family and have the guarantee that God will fight for you. So if you would love to come into God's family and have him fight for you, why don't you just say the simple prayer with me? Say, Heavenly Father, today I come back home. I accept you as my father, as I accept your son Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I promise you, as you give me the grace that I desire, that I will live a life that will be pleasing to you. I turn away from anything that I have done that has displeased you. I thank you because I can now say you're my father. I'm a child of yours. And I know, Heavenly Father, that you will fight for your own. Father, thank you for taking on the battles that are ahead, the battles that I am in, and fighting for me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. 